Okay, all right, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. We're, gonna, we're starting, this, is the, this semester we're looking and we're calling it angels and demons. We're really going to, if you really could just say angels. Angels are spirit beings and there's good angels and bad angels and all this. So angels, anybody, if, if you studied the scripture, hardly any, or you've looked at the life of Christ, you're amazed at how much the existence and the presence of angels are there. They're spirit beings. We know from the Bible that there are good angels and bad angels. And so in this study, we're going to look at angels and we, what do they do? And what are the types of angels? Now, some places you, you fill in, there's blanks to fill in. Some places you just write some things. Sometimes I'll put things up there. They don't, there's not a blank or anything for it. I'm just giving you information. Uh, if you have a question... And, and you say, oh, I, I missed that blank. Raise your hand. I'll, I, I we'll go back over it. We'll just make sure you got it. So angels, what do they do? What are the types of angels? What are these things? In the last few years, there's been this fascination with the spirit world. And Eastern mysticism, the occult, uh, all of that thing has come in here. Even in the Christian world. There's fascination. I remember that it's been about 10, 10 or 15 years ago. There were two books by Frank Peretti. One was called Pres This Present Darkness, and the other one was called Piercing the Darkness. And it all dealt with a pastor in a church and the angelic ministry that was going on. And a lot of people were reading them and saying, can you believe this and believe this? Sometimes uh, I've had people come up and they say, what about these angels? It says that when we pray, angels get stronger. I said, no. That's a book. That's not true. That's not, the angels don't get stronger because you pray, okay? Just remember that kind of thing. So you've got to be careful when you start seeing all kind of different things. There are books a lot about angels. Uh, they've come and go. I think about 15 years ago, it was really a rise of angels. And then just in the last few years, it's kind of coming back again. I found a book uh, about angels, and here was some of the titles of the chapters. I had to get in touch with your personal angel. And how angels can help you in your life to have a successful, a successful life. You know, so there's a lot of information. You, how do you get in touch with your angel? Where in the scripture do you find it telling you to get in touch with your personal angel? So a lot of things like this. There's a lot of misinformation. What are these angels like? How powerful are they? What do they do? On, on Sunday morning, we've been looking at the book of Revelation. I mean, there are angels all the way through that. So we're going to dig the Bible, and we're calling the study Angels and Demons, but there, there are spirit beings called angels, and some of them we, we call good angels, and some we call bad angels, and sometimes the bad angels are called demons. And so we're going to see how that fits together. So there's a lot there. So let's get into it. People are interested in spiritual things. They, they really are. We're spiritual beings. Uh, you know, we talk about even unbelievers have a mind, emotion, and will. You know, they have this a soul which relates to the world and has understanding. All people understand that there's an eternity. The Bible actually says that God has written eternity in our hearts. People know there's more than this. And so there's this whole idea of what what is this spiritual stuff. There is a definite movement in the last 15 or 20 years towards the spiritual. And when we say spiritual, we're not necessarily meaning Christianity. Uh, we're talking about anything supernatural, the occult, channeling, tarot cards, fortune telling, seances. I know people, I, we, we go down to the coast to, uh, in uh, L.A., uh, lower Alabama. We go, always go down there to, uh, to go to the beach, and there's this, there's this uh, palm reader. There's always this story that says palm reading, come in here, and, and then there's people who'll say, oh, I can tell you what your future's going to be, or I can tell you things. For, we, we all know. Let me just say this. Anything other than the Bible and Jesus Christ and the, the truth in the Bible, that all of the rest of that stuff is satanic, and we'll talk more about it as we go through it. We've got a lot to see. So uh, the people are turning to spiritual things. So are there angels, and how do they fit in? 
And are, these, are there beings that we cannot see? Hebrews 13, verse 2 says, Do not neglect to show hospi- hospitality to strangers. Why? For by this, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Do you know that you may have been around an angel and didn't know it? Listen, angels are spirit beings, but there are times that angels can take on forms. Sometimes human forms, sometimes different forms. I want to tell you a story. I had a friend that uh, he, lived, he lived in Stillwater, and he lived in a place that sometimes flooded. You know, the water got high in the street. The water would get real high in the street. Well, one time there was a big, he, he, was, he had uh, two small children. And it was coming, and they got the word, get out, get out, because the whole place is going to be flooded. And so his wife had already got into the car that was a little further up the hill. It was up the hill, and he had the two kids, and he was trying to get them, and he had all kind of trouble. And this man said, here, let me help you. And he reached over and got one of the kids and put him down, and he reached over and got the other kid and put him down. He said, now you get across the water. And as soon as he got across the water and looked up, the man was gone. And he looked around, and it was, he said, where did the man go? He actually thinks that that was an angel that helped him. That's not, that's not impossible, and God can do any kind of thing. And so when you start thinking about it, could, could there have been in your life times that angels or God used angels to protect you, to do things? We're going to talk more about guardian angels as we go through those kind of things. Throughout history, man has believed in like a spirit world. But a lot of the times they'll say things like this. When a person dies, they become a ghost. Have you heard people say that? People think people die and then their spirits just kind of hover around and that's what ghosts are. Well, there's no such thing as ghosts. When people die, they either absent from the body, is present with the Lord, or they go into the heart of the earth. So there's no such thing as ghosts, but there are spirit beings. I hate to say this, but in this room right now, there are spirit beings that we can't see. And let me just tell you the truth. There are good spirit beings in this room and there are bad spirit beings in this room. And that may be one reason it's so hot in here. It's... Uh, <laughs> But the bottom line is, uh, they're, 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 you know, they're there. And let me, let's talk about it. So let, what are angels? And so let's talk about it. The Greek word for angel is angelos. If you want to write that down, the Greek word is angelos, A-N-G-E-L-L-O-S. And the word actually means messenger. So when you hear of a word angel, it actually means a messenger sent from God. And we know that there's these beings that do what God had for them to do. Okay, right? Everybody ready? We're going to go to the next one. The Hebrew word for angel is M-A-L-A-C-H, malach, which actually means messenger again. And so if you remember in the book of Revelation, it, t- it talked about the angel of the churches, of the seven churches, and we said that most likely it could mean a literal angel for each one of those churches, or it also could be the messenger of those churches. And so they're spirit beings that are messengers for God. There are over 265 references in the scriptures dealing with angels. And our goal, of course, is to see, understand who they are, how they relate to us, how, how about the good angels and the bad angels and how all those things work. And so we're going to see it as we go through it. Let me give you a brief outline. And as I'm giving you the brief outline of the study, I'm going to tell you a few things because there's a lot in here. We're going to get, the introduction is tonight and next time as well, maybe, well, tonight. Uh, we're going to talk about the spirit world. We're going to talk about why we study angels. Then we're going to talk about the existence of angels. And we're going to say, what about Old Testament? What about the New Testament? What about creation? What are the angels like? And then we're going to look at organization of angels. You may not know this, but there are different groups of angels. There are classifications of angels. There's names of angels. And then we're going to look at the ministry of angels. And I call them elect angels. 
Sometimes we just say good angels. Sometimes we can just say angels. If we want to talk about bad angels, we can say bad angels or demons. But sometimes good angels are called elect angels. That's just the name, meaning they're, they're, they're for God and with God. They're un, the unfallen angels. And we're going to talk about them and their ministry to God, their ministry to mankind, and their ministry to Christ. Then we get into the tough part. And that's when we look at the devil and Satan this very powerful angel, we're going to look at his background, his creation, his fall, his sinfulness, his names and titles, his positions, his ministries. We're going to see a lot of things. That'll be some lessons later on in the study. And then we kind of end the study with demons. And when we de- de- demons, we look at background. We're also going to take a look at some of the occult and what all is there. Because I know people who don't even realize it, but they're, they're, they're messing with the occult. If you said, oh, a Ouija board, that's nothing. A Ouija board is the occult. It opens the door to demonic forces. Games like Dungeons and Dragons. I know kids that play Dungeons and Dragons got themselves all confused and messed up. So be real careful when we when you start thinking about those things. So that's sort of the outline of the study. Uh, there, uh, th- that's all the lessons we'll have for this semester. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So let's do this. Let's start with the, what we call the introduction and the spirit world. And you should have that. At, that's on I think your first page of your study. And so we're going to talk about the spirit world. And let's just raise this question. What do you, what, uh, let me go back. What do you think about when you hear the word angel? Well, most people do this right here. They think of these cute little little kind of thing, and, and they're, they're small, small beings with wings sent from God. And when you think about it, you say, well, like, like an angel came to Mary with a message about Jesus. But what was his name? You remember? What's his name? Who was the angel? Gabriel. Do you think he came and looked like a little doll? No. Uh, what do you think he looked like? Well, I mean, it scared her to death. And, and uh, the shepherds, when they saw the angels, that was powerful beings. When we think of guardian angels and people are supposed, are people supposed to have a guardian angel? People say that we do. There's that famous picture uh, of where these two little children are walking across this bridge and, and then watching them as this angel supposedly protecting them. Y'all, have y'all seen that painting? That's a kind of a famous painting. That's what everybody kind of pictures that. We must realize that there is a spirit world that we can't, that really we can't see unless God allows us to see it. I mean, there are times that God allows people to see angels. We'll talk more about that. In Ephesians chapter 6, it says, We're not warring or wrestling against flesh and blood, but against spirit beings. You realize that? The real battle is not people. We all think, oh, I hate that person. Oh, that person's bad. That person's evil. Listen, the real battle, the spirit, it's, it's not it. People aren't the enemy. The devil is the enemy. And Satan and the angels, the bad angels of the enemy, their spirit beings. uh, Martin Luther wrote, he said, an angel is a spiritual creature without a body created by God for the service of Christendom and the church. That's what he says. Now, originally the angels were all set to do what? They're to serve God. That's what angels were created by. Created for. for. And, And when you start thinking about how many angels there are, I mean, if you think like there's a thousand angels, ten thousand angels, a hundred thousand angels. There may be millions and millions and millions and millions of angels. So let's look, let's think about something. And there are good angels and bad angels. Okay? The good angels, they help and serve God, and bad angels are against God. I'm going to get more information in a minute. The, the next slide is going to be the one under spirit world. Think about this. Good angels and demons. Good angels. Good angels help people. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. I have that on your little chart for you. All I want you to think about there is it says that angels were set to serve those who inherit salvation. 
If you have believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life, you inherit salvation. That's how the Bible puts it. And so angels, there are angels, and their job, part of their job is to serve you and to help you. I mean, I could put it in a different way. It is to help God help us. That's really what they're for. They're also bad angels, and they come as angels of light. Second Corinthians talks about it. They come as false teachers. They come with a message. We're going to talk about later on what Satan's message is. And, you know, he, you know what his message is? Do good and God will love you. That's his message. Do good and God will love you. Well, you can't do good and God already loves you. And so we, we just, there's a lie out there and there's so these bad, bad angels. There's a spirit world, a good spirit world, and there's a bad spirit world. And it is out there and, and it is always there. So let me just throw this up for you. Uh, Ephesians 6.12 talks about the conflict between angels and peoples. He says, put on the armor of God so we can stand firm against the wiles of the devil. The enemy is not a perfect people. They may do bad things and they may be your enemy in that sense, but people, people aren't the real enemy. The real enemy is the demonic forces behind all of the evil in the world. In Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 through 14, there was an angelic conflict between angels, good angels and bad angels. Daniel prayed, and it took 21 days for an angel to come and answer the prayer. And he came, and he said to Daniel, I would have been here sooner, but I was in a war with a bad angel. How about that? So where, where do we go, as I've got there on your deal, where do we go to get information about angels? Well, we go to the Scripture. 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable. And so when we think about it, we go to the Scripture. And that's what we're going to do over these weeks. We're going to always go to the Bible. We're going to look at everything we can find. We're going to see how they fit together. I remember I, I thought one time a person had said, so you're going to do angels and demons? And I said, yeah, they have, they have how many lessons? I said, well, it's probably going to be 13. And they said, how are you going to get 13 lessons dealing with angels? I mean, could, like maybe two lessons? I went, no. No, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible. I think when we study, I tell you, I tell you what surprised me the most. The first time I really tried to put this together, and I wanted to see how angels related to Jesus. Every aspect of everything that Jesus ever did and ever will do, angels are involved. And I, I was totally surprised. I never thought about it that much. And so we're going to see a lot of good things. And so we have the perfect revelation. We have God's Word. That's why I hope, I hope everybody, I, I didn't even talk about this, but if you need a Bible, we got some Bibles on the back table back there. Bring your Bibles. Well, sometimes I'll have the Scripture verses up there so you don't have to look them up. Sometimes I'll say, let's turn over to a particular place and look at it. We want to see it. Now, if we go in and there's a question or something, you can stop me. And, you know, if it's something I think we can talk about right then, we'll just do it. If not, we might do it at the end. But uh, be sure to just let us know. So this takes us, and I think if you might go to, I think it's probably your next page. Is it the top of the next page, B, Why Study Angels? Is that right? Okay, so let's, this is the first time we put this in the booklet form. And uh, as you know, you can go get it on Amazon or something. But I, I love the cover. Do y'all like the, in, in the cover great? Yeah, wow. Uh, I wish I'd have made it. But anyway, so the, why study angels? So why should we study angels? Some people say, why should we, why should we study angels? That's, you know, Brian's teaching uh, biblical finances, and we've taught that a lot. And I've had people come to me and say, why in the world would you study biblical finances? I 
want to say, well, why not? I mean, the Bible's full of stuff about money. Well, why would you study angels? Well, why not? The Bible's full of stuff about angels and that we need to know it. So let's talk about why should we study. Well, one is that we might gain and understand about the spirit world. Okay, you just fill in whatever blank you want. You might gain and understand about the spirit world. Listen, there is this world out there, an unseen world, a spirit world. And by the way, God is a spirit. Have you ever thought about that? Let me, let me just remind you of something as you write that down, gain and understand. Think about this. There is the Godhead, which is made up of who? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Does God the Father have a body? No. No, he's a spirit being. The Bible says God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Does the Holy Spirit have a body? No, he's a spirit being. What about the Son? He, they're all eternal, right? It wasn't like Father came along and then he said, you know, I think I'll have a son. No, he didn't do that. They've always existed, right? The, so the Son, is he a spirit being? He was for a long, long time. For all eternity passed, and then at a point in time in history, he became a what? A human being. So he's the God-man. And so when we think about spirit beings and trying to study it, we realize that the Heavenly Father is a spirit being, the Holy Spirit is a spirit being, Jesus was a spirit being until he became a human being. And he's going to always be, a, uh, he's always going to, be the God-man. He's always going to have a, be a human being. He's always going to have a body. You know, when we studied the book of Revelation, there was the throne. Remember the throne up in heaven in chapter 4 and chapter 5? And there was something sitting on the throne, and it looked like you could see through it, but it was also a color of red and stuff. And you said, that must be the Father. And then it actually said, Father had a right hand. Well, but it doesn't tell us anything else about him. And the son comes out, and what does he look like? You remember? He came and looked like a lamb that had been killed. That's how Jesus looked when John saw him in the, in the heavenly places. So when we start thinking about spirit beings, why in the world should we understand this? Well, the battle's not against people. John Milton talked about the spirit world, and, and there is an unseen spirit world. There's a second reason that we should do that, and we want to understand the sovereignty of God. We want to understand, we understand the sovereignty of God about creation and angels. You understand that God is controlling all things. He controls all things. He created all things, including angels, including bad angels, including good angels. He is the sovereign ruler of all things. We saw last Sunday morning when that, when that angel came and opened up the thing and all these bad angels came out. What did I say? I said that God was in control and using that. There's nothing outside of God's control. And we don't have to be afraid and we don't have to say, oh, I don't know what Satan's going to do. Listen, Satan can only do what God allows him to do. God is sovereign, and so we want to understand the sovereignty of God, especially dealing with creation and angels and all the things that he did. There's a third thing, is that we want to understand sinful man and angels' interaction with us. So we understand sinful man and angels' interaction. This, this may surprise you, but in 1 Peter 1.12, it actually says, angels desire to know and understand man. Now, you might say, why would angels care about us? Because, I mean, angels are much more powerful than us. They, they're eternal. Just, and we're eternal, but they're eternal. And they've got so much different power than we have. They can move. I mean, why would they want to know about us? Well, when you really get down to it, angels sinned. And what happened when angels sinned? God separated Lucifer and the angels that went with him and separated them and said they will be in a lake of fire forever. 
When man sinned, what happened? God provided a what? A Savior. And that's the bottom line is there's no salvation for the demons. There's no salvation for bad angels. And so one of the things I think angels desire to look into in First Peter is that why would God not save angels and save people? Why? And so that's, that's an issue. Then. So we want to understand sinful man, angels, interactions, those kind of things. Number four, we want to look and understand how to deal with satanic attacks. Listen, we, we, there are satanic attacks everywhere. The devil is a powerful angel. What is he trying to do? He doesn't want people to ever believe in Christ for eternal life. Once they're believers, he never wants them to grow. He wants churches that, to be divided, to not teach the Bible. I mean, just look at our culture. Look at our church culture. How many churches are teaching the Bible? Almost none. How many of them have a clear message of salvation? Almost none. The whole thing has been corrupted so much. So many people, what do they do? They, they teach something they've been taught all their lives without even looking at the Scripture. It's traditions of men. When Jesus came to the earth, that was what was going on with the Jewish people. They were following traditions of men, not the Word of God. And Jesus said, you're following traditions. And we look at the church today, and there's hardly any churches that actually teach the Bible and hold to the truths. It's just, it breaks your heart. And so, how to deal with this? Because Satan would love to destroy our church. He'd love to destroy our church. Because we, we teach the Bible, and we have a grace message of salvation, and we have people who love one another and are, are touching lives all over this, this city and the world. And he would love to destroy that, if he could. And so we've got to understand as we go through this how to deal with that sort of things. And then finally is how we can stand strong for God in a fallen world. How can we stand strong? Because we live in this world, and there is a spiritual battle going on, and we're in the battle, and we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against world forces of darkness, against wickedness in the heavenly place. So our battle, we're living in a fallen world, uh, and, and we've got an enemy, and the enemy is very powerful. But greater is he that is in you and in us than is in the world. We, we don't have to be afraid. We're going to talk a little bit about well, how, do we, how do we deal with that sort of thing, and we'll see it. So let's talk about the existence of angels. And we're going to talk about the, the Old Testament and the New Testament aspect, Old Testament, New Testament of angels. And I've got here, um, you know, when we look in the Bible, there are a lot of references to angels. They're real. I've had people say, well, that's, none of that's real. I've had people say that the devil's not real. I say, well, no, he's pretty real. You know, uh, I can t attest from personal experience that he's real. But so when you start thinking about angels uh, in the Old Testament, there are over a hundred references in the Old Testament to angels. Over a hundred. And uh, and when when I give you these verses like Genesis 19, and you don't have to write very much down there. I just wanted to talk about them for a second. If you remember in Genesis 19, two angels come, two good angels come, and they go to Sodom and Gomorrah. And they go to go down and see how wicked these people really are in that city. So I don't mean those two cities. And, and the angels come and they look like, they, they take the form of people. And so a guy's out front says, oh, oh, what are you guys doing there? And they just said, we just come here. And they said, well, where do you want to spend the night? And they said, oh, we'll just stay out here. I said, no, don't stay out here. Because they knew what kind of thing would happen. And the angels, they judged Sodom and Gomorrah. So when we start talking about uh, angels in the Old Testament, there's two there. If you remember, Abraham was sitting out by the tent. And he had, he had a promise from God that he would have a son. And 25 years, actually 24 years have passed and he still doesn't have a son. And he's sitting out and he could see a long way off. And his wife is in the tent. And he's sitting there. 
And he looks up and suddenly there's three people there. I mean, they're right there. And he thought, well, I, I could have seen them coming. He knows immediately who it is. One of them's God. One of them's, one of them's the, the God and two are angels. And that's where God tells him that he's going to come back in a year and have a, that they'll have the baby. And his name will be Isaac. And, of course, she's listening through the tent, and she kind of goes, <laughs> and God says, what are you laughing for? She said, I didn't laugh. He said, yes, you did. You know, there'll be a baby. Don't worry. And a year later, there was the baby. So those were angels right there. And Daniel, uh, chapters 8 and 9, angels come to Daniel with messages and prophecies. If, if you remember in Job, this is sort of strange. But in Job, Satan and angels come before God's throne. And accuse us. Satan accuses us before God's throne. Now we know that in the book of Revelation, and we saw it last week, and we're going to see it in, in chapter 12 and 13 on up, that this Satan is going to be cast out of heaven where he will no longer be able to go into the presence of God. But right now, Satan, God allows Satan to come in his presence. And he comes to accuse us. And of course, Jesus is our advocate. And so anytime he accuses us of our sin, which is probably true, uh, Jesus says, I already paid for it. It's already taken care of. So, wow, there, there's so much there. All right, let's, let's talk about the New Testament. There are over, there are really at least 165 references to angels in the New Testament. 165. So there's over 265 references to angels in the Bible. So if a person said, I don't believe they're angels, well, what is all this in the Scripture that talks about these beings, these spirit beings? Let's just think for a minute uh, about, about right here. This angel comes to Joseph. You remember, Joseph uh, loved Mary, but they weren't married yet. They were going to get married. They were betrothed, which means if you're betrothed and you haven't lived together yet, you're still not officially married. But to break that, you had to get a divorce. That was the Jewish law. So he was going to put her away privately because she came to him and said, I went and visited my cousin, and when I came back, I'm pregnant. But I just wanted you to know I'm pregnant from the Holy Spirit, and the baby's going to be the Son of God. And Joseph went, yeah, right. <laughs> Good move. Good move. I don't know where you went. You said you went to your relative Elizabeth, but you were there for three months, and I don't know what happened. So he was going to put her away privately, and what happened? And you know, an angel came to him in a dream when he was in a dream and told him, don't be afraid to take Mary. That which is born of her is of the Holy Spirit, the Son of God. That's Think about, huh? That's a lovely painting. Yeah, it is. It is. Probably not accurate, but it's really a lovely painting. Okay. And then think about Luke 2 at the birth of Jesus Christ. What happened? Uh, these shepherds are out in the field at night watching, and all of a sudden, this angel appears, scares them to death, and then a huge bunch of angels appeared saying, they weren't singing, they said, glory to God in the highest. And, you know, so it, it, there it is. The angels are there at this. How about at the temptation of Jesus? Who's there? What angel's there? Satan is there. Yeah. What does he want Jesus to do? What is the temptation? To what? To, to, he wants him to go contrary to the promise of the Father and to go contrary to the will of God. And so he takes him and he says, uh, why don't you jump off the top of the, the pinnacle of the temple? See, when you jump off the pinnacle of the temple, everybody will see that you didn't get hurt and they'll think you're God. And he said, no, I'm not going to test God that way. He said, well, why don't you make these 
stones bread because I know you're hungry. And he said, no, no, I, I live by the word of God, not by bread. Well, how about if I give you all the kingdoms of the world? Could he have given Jesus the kingdoms of the world? The answer is yes. He's the, he's the prince of the power of the air. Satan is the ruler of the fallen world. God let Satan rule this world. He could have offered it. and Jesus, Because what he really wanted Jesus to do was be king without the cross. See, if, if Jesus goes to the cross, he pays for the sin of the world and saves mankind. So he really wanted the kingdom before the cross. And Jesus said, no, no, you've got to have the cross then the kingdom. So that, and you know, and then one of the other uh, t uh, gospels says that right after the temptation, some angels came and ministered to Jesus. And then, and then in the ministry, he in Mark chapter one, he's casting out demons, and like, or he's talking about the demons in Luke twenty-two. He's dealing with uh, dealing with demons and 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 all of that kind of things. And then look, remember this one, in Acts, Peter's in prison. This is one of my favorite stories. They were going to kill. They were going to kill Peter. They were going to kill Peter, and they were going to bring him out the next day and kill him, and they put uh, guards in the cell with him and guards on the outside, and Peter was asleep, and an angel comes in, wakes him up, chains fall off, everybody else is asleep, doors open by themselves, and they go out. So that, that angel takes him out of there. And, and, and it says that Peter thought that it was like a dream, and then he gets outside, and he realizes, I'm really outside, and, I'm, and then the angel disappears. Galatians, I don't have that verse for you on the little deal there, but Galatians 3.19, do you know how the law was given? The mediator between God and Moses was an angel. Do you realize that? Well, when you look at the Bible, there are angels in everything that happened. And then, of course, in the book of Revelation, over 65 uses of angels, in, in, and we've been seeing them from the very beginning, haven't we? I mean, when John got taken up into heaven, what's the first thing he saw? He saw 24 elders, and he saw these four angels, and then he looked over there, and he saw these millions of angels and all this. I mean, it's just he's seen so much stuff. It's, it's just wild. So how many angels, let, let's, let's just raise this question, how many angels are there? Hebrews 12, 22 says there are myriads, which means millions, which means millions. You remember last week on Sunday morning when we were looking at the book of Revelation and uh, the Euphrates River dried up or something or uh, out of the thing came the four angels, four demons, and then following them were 200 what? Million demons? 200 million angels. Most likely demons. Revelation 5.11, it says they cannot be counted. I always think about that. Well, let me put it back in case you need to write. I think we do. Do we have Revelation? We do. They, they can't be counted. And, and it's just angels after angels after angels. And this is just a drawing of angels because angels don't always look like this. You have this idea that they've got white things and, and wings and everything else. Well, if you remember, there's, there's an angel before the throne of God. Uh, and they've got funny, they got, one's got a face of a lion, and one's got a face of a bear, and one's got a face of a, you know, a, a bird and a man, and they got six wings, and, and they got eyes all over the wings, two are flapping, and two are, you know, it's just everywhere. And then you look at these cherub, or cherub which we think are a little bit cherub, is a little, no, cherubim, they're powerful. Boy, they got big wings, and they're powerful things, how they're described. And so when you start thinking about angels, I mean, they are, they are, they're, they're powerful beings. 
I mean, if an angel appeared in this room right now and made his appearance known, we would all be scared. We'd be afraid. So let's talk about the creation of angels. When, when did, and, and I got some questions for us so we can put it this way. How were they created? When were they created? And why were they created? So the how, how and we're going to answer it, but you can write it in your book. How were they created? They're created by God because God creates everything. We'll talk more about it in a second. When were they created? Now that is, we're going to talk about that. When were they created? But I think we're going to have to say that they had to be created before our world was created. And we'll talk about that why in just a minute. And then why were they created? And it was to glorify God. And we'll see how that ties together. So let's start with the how. How, were, how are these beings created? How did they get here? The obvious answer is they're created by God because God is eternal and he created all things. If you think about it, God has always existed. And I think it's pretty hard for us to grasp the fact when you think about God, he's eternal. And there's a difference. Let me just say this. There's a difference between being eternal and having eternal life. Because eternal means always existing. And see, we haven't always existed. There was a point in time we didn't exist, and then we we're created by God. Created by and so, and so then when we believe in Jesus Christ, He gives us eternal life, which means life with Him forever. But we're not eternal beings in the sense that we've always existed. And so there's a little bit of difference. So when we think about the eternal God, we're not saying God has eternal life. He is eternal life. But the idea of eternal life is given to a person to have an eternal existence going this way with Jesus and, and God the Father and the, and the Spirit. But the Father and the Son and the Spirit have always existed. So there's never been a time, and, and my mind can't comprehend it. I can, I can sort of imagine going on forever. I can't imagine. I can't grasp not ever starting, always being. I just can't get it. I can't, pick, I can't, my mind can't wrap it around that. I just, I can't see that. So let's talk about how were they cr- created. Basically, Colossians 1.16 says, For by him, that's talking about Jesus, all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, and invisible and invisible. What's invisible? Huh? Ain't, ain't they spirit beings. Whether they're thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. And by the way, those are all titles. Thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities are all titles of angels. And so he's emphasizing when he says invisible, and he says all things have been created through him and for him. And that means all the angels and everything, they're for God. Even, even the bad angels. You know, and one of the things you have to know, so does God know everything? Okay, so when the angels fell, did he know that? He knew that was going to happen? He didn't go, oh, whoops. What are we going to do now? No, he, he, he's, the plan is there. Psalm 145, 148 verse 5 basically says, all things are created by God. All things. It's powerful. In John chapter 1, verse 3, let me just read this to you because I like the way he does it. We already know. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Okay? So when you start the book of John, you immediately know that in the beginning. What beginning is it? You know, there's three beginnings in the Scripture, right? Did you know that? 
Genesis 1.1, John 1.1, and 1 John 1.1. Genesis 1.1 is the beginning of creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John 1.1 is the eternal beginning. In the beginning was the Word, always existed. And in 1 John 1.1, it's the beginning of Jesus. He says, that which was from the beginning, that which we touched with our hands. So there are three beginnings in the Scripture. The beginning of creation, the beginning of Jesus as a person, and the eternal beginning. And so it says here, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, talking about the Word, that's Jesus. And then he says this, all things came into being through him. Everything that ever came into being came into being through Jesus. And he says, and apart from him, nothing has come into being that has come into being. He says, everything that's ever been created was created by Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. I've had, I've talked, we, you know, we, we always talk about the original creation. How many days? How many days? No, six days. And then he what? Rested because he's real tired. Because it just took a lot out of you to create the world, right? No, he, he'd rested for a reason. Because we're going to know later on, he told the Jewish people, he said, you shall work six days and rest on the seventh. For in six days, God created the heavens and the earth and rested on the seventh. The whole reason that he did that was a pattern. And a lot of people get confused. They, they don't realize the first day of the week is Sunday and the last day of the week is Saturday. And a lot of people think Saturday, uh, Sunday's the Sabbath. Sabbath, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday's not the Sabbath. Saturday's the Sabbath day. And so he created everything. And as we look at this, all things were created by him and for him, and, and he, he works it all. And so when we think about the creation, all he did is he, he spoke it all into being. Uh, by the way, and we're going to get to it a little bit later, angels don't reproduce. When he created angels, he created all of the angels at one time because they don't reproduce. Uh, and, and so whatever angels there are, that, that's going to be there. not going to be more angels. And that's why when the fall came, and we're going to talk about it later on as, less, as we get into further lessons, when the fall came, that Satan rebelled against God and moved away and the other angels went with him, it's not like there are going to be other angels come up and have a chance to either believe or to trust God or live for God or not. Uh, once it's sealed, it was sealed. And that's why they're, those, those bad angels we call demons, they are going to go to the lake of fire forever. And the good angels, that, so there's, that, that's it. There's not going to be any more ever rebellion. It was all done that way. Angels don't reproduce. Matthew twenty two thirty talks about angels and how that, 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 that when people get to heaven, they won't reproduce. There won't be marriage like it is on earth and having offspring and those kind of things. They said they'll be like the angels who don't reproduce. Now, let's talk about, when we think about these spirit beings, let's just talk about beings for a second, okay? As we think about angels, let's think about all the beings in our world, okay? Let's start with, and uh, let me look and see where we are. I'm trying to follow along, make sure I stay on the thing. Let's talk about the types of beings, okay? There's God being, and we've already said that he's eternal, always existing. And so we said being eternal and always existing is not the same as eternal life, Right? Let me ask you a question. Let me throw this out just for fun. Jesus died on the cross to pay for the sins of... And when he rose from the grave, he conquered death for every person. So every person will exist forever. You don't want to say every person will live forever, because that's not true. But every person will exist forever. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you have eternal life, and you live forever with Jesus Christ. If you have not believed in Jesus Christ... 
You don't have eternal life. You have the second death, and you die forever separated from Jesus Christ. Because that's what death, death is separation. And an unbeliever is separated from Jesus Christ and from God forever. So when we talk about God, he is the eternal God. He's always existing. He's all-powerful. He's the supreme being, and he is a spirit being. Now, we brought it out a while ago that at a point in time in history, Jesus Christ became a human being. But more than a human being. Because there's nobody like him. He is the God-man. He's the mediator. The Bible tells us there's one mediator between God and man. It is the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus is the only one that can be the go-between because he's both God and man. And that's why he's so unique and special. So when you think about God, he's the eternal God, always existing, all-powerful, all of that kind of thing. And it's just it's amazing when you think about it that way. But the second thing, then, is angels. And they're very powerful beings. They're spirits. They can take different forms. I just want you to, to stop and think for a minute. Okay, I'm going to throw this out, and I'm not even sure there's an answer. But do good angels, have you seen in the scripture that good angels take the forms of people or things, right? Have, right? Uh, Abraham looks up, and there's three people there. One is God and two angels, and there are two angels that go into Sodom and Gomorrah, right? And there's an angel that came to Joseph in a dream. And, and so we see those. Now, tell me about demons. When you see demons... In the scripture, especially in the time of Christ, do you see them taking the form of something? What do you see them doing? You see them possessing something. Listen, I have a friend that I haven't really looked. <clears throat> He's passed away, and I'm trying to find <clears throat> the article that he wrote. He wrote an article a long time ago, and he actually said that he thinks that fallen angels and demons are two different things. And I, I wanted to read what, why he said that and how he put it together. At this stage, I still think, I just still say, well, I think fallen angels and demons are the same thing. But it is strange that when you look at the life of Christ and you see demons, they're always possessing something, right? And they'll say, oh, don't judge us for our time. Uh, send us into the pigs. Don't, you know. Uh, but, but you can see good angels and they appear sometimes as people or some kind of form. I, don't, I just want you to think, but yes. What, Well, that's a great let, let me just I don't know if you hear a question but she said you think maybe that they don't get to have bodies and we're not saying they don't have bodies because Satan uh, apparently himself has some kind of form or can have some kind of form uh, but once again when the Antichrist rules the world Satan is possessing him okay in the Old Testament let me just throw this out we will get to this one of the further lessons but this is weird, but in Genesis chapter 6, there's a passage that talks about the daughters of men and the sons of God came together. By the way, in the Old Testament, sons of God is a title for angels. And it actually says, the best we can understand is somehow the sons of God came and took daughters of men, had sex with them, and produced offspring called the Nephilim, which were giant people. Okay? People like from the legends of Ajax and Hercules and all of that. So if you read that and go to Jude chapter 2 and also Second Peter, it talks about angels who did something really wrong and God locked them up 
in a place in the heart of the earth. It's called Tartarus. That's the place it's called. And they're there. So the thoughts are this. Some people say daughters of men and sons of God just means unbelievers and believers married, and they shouldn't have. But if they're just unbelievers and believers, how do they produce giant people called the Nephilim? Okay? And so the other view is that they were somehow bad angels had sexual relations with people. Somehow. I, we don't know. And so that's a possibility that why when you look into the New Testament and you don't really see demons having bodies, that they're always possessing something that may be part of it. But nobody knows. But I mean, how many of you heard that story before? I know that story before. That, it, it's pretty wildly known. It's pretty wild. Uh, it's, it's just something we don't really talk about very much, unless you're in Genesis chapter 6 or Second Peter or, or the book of Jude. It's called the angels who kept not their first estate. And, it, and it's referring to something about dealing with people. So it's some bad stuff. All right, so I just wanted to throw that out. Have you, have you ever thought about, can you, and, and be thinking, uh, can you think of a time in which a demon didn't take, didn't, didn't possess someone or something and made his presence known? What about those demons that were in Revelation Sunday, those two? Yeah, now that's, a, that's one. See, that's, that's what I'm talking about. That looks like a different time. And these demons all come out, and they, they definitely don't look like people, but they look like something else. So, but I'm thinking of, do you see demons, at, especially at the time of Christ or even the time of the first century, that they're, they got bodies? It seems to me they're always possessing something. But that's a really good point when you look at the book of Revelation because there's all these demons coming up. At least we think they're demons. That's what we, we say that they are. But yes, Corey. I heard that, uh, I could be wrong on this, but I heard that uh, demons can take the form of children before they possess a person. Okay, you said you heard that demons can take the form of children? Yes. Or are you saying that demons possess children? No, they take the form of, they take the form of children before they possess somebody. That's the word I mean. Okay, where did you hear that? Okay, all right. That's a, I mean, there are people that we there's we hear all kind of things about these these beings, you know, what they did, what they do, what they have done. But anyway, I just wanted you to think about that, and 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 I'm going to do some more research to see if I can find that article about why he says demons and fallen angels are different things. So I, I'd like to see how he puts that together. Okay, so we got angels, and that's what we're looking at. The third thing is us, is mankind. Psalm eight says that man was made a little lower than the what? The angels. Isn't that amazing? What does that mean? Because we're gonna, cause, cause guess what's going to happen? What are we going to do in, in eternity? What are we going to do dealing with angels? We're, what? We're going to judge angels. And, and, and I don't know how that's going to work, and I don't know what we're going to do. I want to show you something that we thought about. Did you know that when you think about the Bible in, in Corinthians and in Thessalonians, it talks about... Man is a body, soul, spirit. It says, may your body, soul, and spirit be uh, kept safe until eternity. And so people say, well, you know, what? Because I had a question last Sunday after we would went through that whole thing. Somebody came up to me and said, when we die and we're going to be with God forever, what goes to be with God forever? Well, think about this. Let me just throw this up here. This is just for fun. Okay. I was an art major. So uh, anyway, so here it is. There's the, this is a, 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 a start with the unbeliever. He's got a body, a soul, 
a conscience, and a flesh. The, the body holds everything together. The soul relates to the world around us. That's where you have a mind and an emotional and will. The conscience tells you right from wrong, and the flesh is the natural bent to sin. When you believe, you become a believer, you have a human spirit, which means you're born again, you're made spiritually alive, and for us, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. And so the question was that that's us now. When it's all over and we're going to spend eternity, what lasts forever? Well, you remember what he said over there in uh, Corinthians? He said that God would protect your body, soul, and spirit. Well, think about this. Uh, is he going to raise us from the grave and give us a body that lasts forever? Right. Uh, well, we have a soul which relates to everything. Yeah. Well, we have a conscience. We won't need a conscience. Right? We won't need a conscience. Will we have a flesh? No, we won't have a flesh. Will the Holy Spirit indwell us? No. What's left? Body, soul, and spirit. I think that's what's going to happen. You don't need a conscience if you don't sin. Right? So, some good st- I just threw that out. Okay, so anyway, man is made a little lower than the angels. The body, soul, and the spirit, all of that. And then, then there are animals, beings on earth that relate to men. They're here for men, by the way. Animals are for us. They taste great. Right? <laughs> I, love, I, love, I love animals. I love all. I mean, God put, put them all in. Is everything okay on the camera? Okay. Is it the battery, you think? While he's fixing that, let's just let's talk about animals for a second. People have said things like, do you think there'll be animals in heaven? And when we say heaven, well, think about this. Where are we going to be? You know, we, Jesus died on the cross. This is the church age. There's going to be the rapture, and we'll be where? In the heavens. And then we come back to the earth for a thousand years, and then he makes a new heaven and a new earth, and we rule on a new earth. So when people say, I hope I go to heaven, what we really want to say is, I hope I'm in the eternal kingdom. Because that starts the eternal kingdom, the thousand-year reign, and then the eternal kingdom. And so the real question is, are there animals in heaven? The real question ought to be, are there animals in the kingdom and the eternal kingdom? And I think when you look in the scripture, we come back with Jesus to set up the kingdom. What are we riding on? Horses, white horses. So I think there are going to be animals. I think in the thousand-year reign of Christ, it's gonna, if you read uh, Isaiah, it goes back very similar to what it was like in the garden won't be perfect, but it'll be like the garden, and I think the eternal state will be fantastic as well. Did you get it going? Okay, all right, great, great. Okay. Um, angels are sometimes called the sons of God. That's in Job 1, 6, and verse 2, 1. They're created by God. Well, how? So, so we started off, and we asked the question, how? How, how do we get these? They're created by God. So then when? When were these beings created? And, and, and there's all kind of speculation. Let me, let me throw some things out for you. Do you know there are people sit around, theologians sit around, and they, they argue over all these kind of things. That, uh, like, when did this happen? And was, did Jesus do this uh, in order to show Satan something? And all these kind of things. And so, when was the creation of the world? When was the fall of Satan? When was the fall of man? How did it all fit? And so the first question might be, is when were angels created? When were they created? I think very, you know, before the fall of man. They had to be, right? They had to be because who comes and, and brings about the fall of man? 
Satan does. He does that so before the fall of man. Uh, in Psalm 148, verse 6, he talks about how he created the angels and how special and, and amazing it was. Look at this. This is, this is something you're going to love. This is in Job 38. Look what Job says. Now, this is God speaking. And God says, he's talking to Job, Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Do you remember that God, Job got real mad. And I, you can't blame him. Everything went terrible. His friends showed up. His three friends showed up. And instead of being buddies to him, they started off by saying, the reason all this bad stuff has happened is because you're a sinner and you're bad. And if you just deal with your sin, everything would be great. And Job said, I have not done wrong. And I don't know why this is happening. And if God was here, I'd talk to him about it. And they went on and on and on. And these guys are terrible. They're not his friends at all. They keep saying, you're terrible. You're such a bad sinner. And he keeps saying that. And so when God shows up, uh, Job can't say anything. Because Job has been saying, if God were here, I'd say something. And then God shows up and Job says, I can't talk really. And, <laughs> and so Job is talking, God is talking to Job. But here's what he says. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who said its measurements? Since you know, you, you're supposed to know. Who stretched out the line on it? What, on what were it bases sunk? On who laid its cornerstone, the cornerstone of the world? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. What were they shouting for joy at? The creation of what? Of the world. Who were the morning stars? That's angels. So when God created angels, now here's the real question, and we're going to see it when we get over to Lucifer or Satan. When did, did God create angels and then create the heaven and the earth and then Satan fall? Or did God create angels and then Satan fell and he created the heavens and the earth and we go from there? Uh, we, there's no way to know. There's no way to know. Uh, if I had to pick a way, I would say, God created the angels, Satan fell, and then he created the world. Because I'm going to tell you, I don't think it was very long after God created Adam and Eve that Satan came and tempted them. It, it couldn't have been very long. And, and so I just don't think they had this other rebellion. I think the rebellion happened before he created the heavens and the earth. And it also makes a little more sense that if that God wanted to show angels that when they fail, there's no salvation for them. And if you had to have man and they fail and there is salvation for them, I think it would have to have that other way. So that's how I look at it. So let's think about it. Before the creation of the world. Wow. And there are really two groups of angels that when you start thinking about it, two groups of What? I'm sorry. Did I go too fast? Okay. Oh, we got a way to plug it? Yeah, question. Yeah, let's do it. Doesn't it say in the Bible that, that um, Satan was sent to earth or to, into the world? Right. Wouldn't that say that again now. Doesn't it say in the Bible that Satan was sent in, to the world or to earth or whatever? Wouldn't it after, the, after his fall. Is that what you're saying? Well, okay, when, when in Isaiah, Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, it talks about that Satan was at, he was, the, he was a, an anointed cherub and he was guarding the throne of God. He said, I will be like the Most High. And then it says it cast him out. Now, when you look at the uh, Isaiah passage and Ezekiel passage, they start off talking about the king of Tyre. 
And then as you get into the passage, you realize that he starts off talking about a human king, and then he goes to Satan. So that passage doesn't necessarily mean that when Satan was cast out from guarding God's throne, that he came to the world. It just basically says he was removed from his position there. It's possible that the world was created, and he cast him out, and he had to come down to the world then. That's a good possibility. We just don't know, but that's a great point. Yeah, it could be either way. Is it working now? Good. Okay, and and do I still look tall on the video? And that's the real. I mean, that's the real thing. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about. If you do have questions, we'll just stop and talk about it. Let's talk about this. There are two really group of angels that we've been seeing. They're elect angels that are called holy. First Timothy five twenty one. Let Let me do this. Let me. I want to read this for you. I think you need to see this. First Timothy five. You don't have to turn there, but you can just write it down. He says, I solemnly charge you. Paul is writing. He says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of his chosen angels. So even then, he says, angels, they're elect angels. When we call them elect angels. We call them good angels. We just call them angels. They're holy. They're set apart. They're good. They're good. They're good and they serve God and they do what God has for them to do. There are the evil angels, the fallen angels. In Matthew uh, 25, let me read this. I, I think you want to see this. Matthew 25, 41. He says, he says to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, in the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. These are bad angels. So good angels will always be with God and always serve him. Bad angels at some point in time will be cast into the lake of fire forever. Now, the lake of fire, everybody here talks about it. What's another name for the lake of fire? Hell. Everybody says hell. And people say, people are, to, are you know, sent to hell. What was the lake of fire originally for? The devil and his angels. And when people fail, there is the lake of fire in which human beings, because of their separation from God, will be into the lake of fire as well. So two groups, two, two good. And we just don't have any idea, I think, when it all happened and how it all happened. I, I, we'll see about Lucifer, and one of the things I think which is amazing is how can this angel be in the presence of God? Now, I'm going to throw this out. So you're, you're this beautiful angel, probably maybe the top angel. You're going to find out he's not the most powerful angel. Michael's the most powerful angel because uh, Michael and Satan have a battle, and Michael kicks Satan out of heaven. It's in Revelation chapter 12. But you could be this beautiful angel who guards the throne of God. And he begins to say, I will be like the Most High. I will lift myself up. I will be the Most High. He says he wants to be God. What did Satan say to Adam and Eve in the garden? They would be what? They'd be like God. What do the Mormons say you're going to be? Like God. Listen, anything, that's, anything that goes contrary to the Scripture ultimately comes back that anybody that sins wants to be like, God, why do you sin? Because you want to do what you want to do, even though if you know what's wrong, right? I mean, sin is rebellion. That's all it is. And Satan rebelled. And so we see these, these horrible, horrible angels. Now, let's get this part right here. Why? Why? Why were these beings created? And I've got three things, and you can write them uh, down. Uh, to glorify God, to serve God, and to serve people. 
And so I think, I think just looking at the time, we're going to probably get through in about 10 minutes, maybe 10 minutes before, so we'll have plenty of question time if you want to do that. You got some questions the way you look? That was like you had a good question there. Okay, so why, why are these beings created? The first one, first idea is to glorify God. The second one is to serve God. And the third one is to serve people. You may not realize that, but it's for us. So let's talk about these beings. To glorify God. Colossians 1.16, all things were created by him and for him. Think about that. They're made for him. And, and I always read in Revelation chapter 4. I, you know, I think that when I, said, when I said, I think I'll do the book of Revelation, I was really scared. I had taught, book, I taught Revelation in 1990. How, how many years is that? 23 years or something like that? Or is it longer than that? 30-something years. So I hadn't taught it in 30-something years, and I taught it a long time ago. And, and then I thought, you know, this is the time to teach it. The world is getting so much worse. Listen, Jesus could come at any second. We better get excited, and we better get on fire and start telling people about Christ because Jesus is going to come in the clouds, and we're going to be gone, and there are going to be people we know and love go through this mess. But so I was a little bit worried about doing it because I thought, well, it's, it's kind of hard to explain and it's complicated. But the more I started studying it, I hate to, I mean, I say it in a nice way, the more it fit together. And it is beautiful. And that everything, all these, these, these beings, listen to this. I remember when I started studying, they were taken up to heaven, chapters 4 and 5. And, and what do you see there? For about two or three weeks in a row, all we saw was everybody praising God. That's so amazing. Uh, it says there was, he was sitting on the throne, and, and when he was sitting on the throne, the four living creatures came, and they fell down, and they said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. And then the living creatures gave glory and honor to the one who sits on the throne. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him, and they said, Worthy are you. All we see is they're giving glory to God. That's part of why they were created. And they exist forever. Millions of them who will give glory to God. You know, sometimes we'll, we'll be singing on a Sunday morning. I mean, and it's pretty amazing, right? I mean, all these people are singing, and it sounds so good, and it's, it's beautiful. And you think, wow, what would it be like when there's millions of us singing? And what will it be like when there are millions of angels there? What's it going to be like? It's beyond comprehension. It's going to be better than we could ever, ever imagine. Holy, 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 Revelation 4, 9, that's what he says. Holy, 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 Lord God. That's 8, and then verse 9 talks about the same thing, as our, about, a little bit about it. So the second thing, the second thing is to, uh, well, I'm, oh, that's the verse right there, Revelation 4, 6 through 11, before the throne of God in heaven, these beings are all praising God. That was to, to give glory to God. Uh, and then, uh, oh, I, had, I found that picture. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't that look good? Now, I, you know, when, when you look at that, the person who drew this assumes that that's the Father. But when you look at the scripture, it doesn't describe the Father at all. So I don't think that you're going to be able to see what the Father looks like. I mean, who's the only member of the Godhead that has a body? Jesus does. And there he is. There's the lamb slain. And so I don't, but, but look at all these. And there's those, there's those weird angels right there. And then there's all the four, 24 elders. And then there's all these people. And it's just amazing. I think that... I wish I would talk Revelation a long time ago. I, I had forgotten how amazing the book is and what's all there. The second thing that angels do is to serve God. They're set apart to serve God. He created them uh, to do, to be his messengers, to carry out his will, to do what he has planned for them to do. 
I mean, it's just amazing. And, and uh, <clears throat> I, I put down that in Psalm 103, verse 20. They said, bless the Lord, his angels. They are obeying the voice of his word. Now, here's something. Does God give us instructions that we should do? Does he actually tell us things to do? Yeah. Study to show yourself approved. Walk worthy of his calling. Pray without ceasing. Do we do it all the time? No. Do angels always do what God tells them to do? Exactly. Isn't that amazing? These beings do what God tells them to do. Now, the bad angels don't. They're, they're gone. You know, they're just trying to stop us. I always think about Gabriel. Uh, you know, Gabriel came to Daniel, and Gabriel came to Joseph and Mary. Gabriel's old, right? He's existed forever, y'all. For, for, from the time God created, when I say forever, I mean from the time God created angels, Gabriel has existed. He's the messenger angel. He came uh, to, to bring information. To, remember, he came to Daniel and told him things. He came to Joseph and Mary. He came, they came, to send, and he came and told them, told Mary about it. I just look at the scripture and you realize that the same angel that came to Daniel is the same angel that came to Mary. And that's six or seven hundred years apart, y'all. These beings are incredible. I, I think that one of these days we're going we're gonna to see them and we're going to be amazed at their power and their beauty and their majesty. I mean, you know, um, I've got well, a point to add at the end and we'll talk about it. Uh, to serve people is the third thing. We don't always realize that man is made a little lower than angels, but one day we're going to judge the angels, and angels are set apart to serve people. But listen, they're, they're set apart to serve both believers and unbelievers. Have you realized that? Angels even serve unbelievers? Let's talk about believers for a second. Hebrews 1.14. Ministering spirits sent to render service for those who inherit salvation. Angels serve us. That's amazing, isn't it? This powerful being serves you and me? Well, do they serve unbelievers? How about this? Acts chapter 10, the guy in the name of Cornelius was an unbeliever, and he was praying, and an angel came to him and said, Your prayers and alms have come up before God. Send over and get a guy named Peter. He'll come over here, and he'll tell you how you can have eternal life. An angel came to an unbeliever and told him what to do. So they serve people both good and bad. I mean, it's, uh, it's just amazing what they do. What about guardian angels? Matthew chapter 18, verse 10. Let me read that to you. And tell me what you think. Matthew 18, verse 10 says, Do not despise one of these little ones, talking about children, for I say to you that their angels in heaven continually see the face of my Father is in heaven. He says, their angels. He's talking about the children's angels. And so there's a the thought that children have guardian angels. And maybe we do too. Or maybe, the, maybe when you get a teenager, they just let it go. And, that, and, that's, and that's why teenagers are so terrible. Right? Because the guardian angel says, I've done all I can do for you. You're on your own from here. But anyway, it, it would be, wouldn't it be sort of comforting to know? Have you ever had something happen and you say, good night, if I, you know, if I hadn't stopped for a minute or if I, I don't know, I, I, I thought about something and I had to go back and get something, 
I would have been in that accident or I would have been in that thing. Have you ever thought that maybe an angel somehow put something in your brain? I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying that. Wow. Angels are so powerful. I love the story of one angel killed 185,000 Assyrians. Y'all know the story, right? Okay, everybody knows the story, so I don't have to say it, but uh, the nation of Israel was surrounded. They were about to all get killed. Uh, Syrians had come in, said, we're going to destroy everything. And God sent an angel, and at night, one angel killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. When they all woke up the next morning, 185,000 were dead. They turned around and went home instead of taking the city. And that's what God did. That's one angel did that. Have you thought about whenever, whenever... Angels appear, man is very afraid. And we've talked about it. And we said this, if Jesus Christ appeared, what would we do? We'd all fall down. If an angel appeared in this room, what would we do? We'd probably fall down because they're such powerful beings. Think about this. I always like to look at this. When Zacharias, who's John the Baptist's dad, uh, he, he went into the temple. He went into the temple to burn the incense. And when he got in there standing at the right hand of the altar, was an angel, Gabriel, and scared him. He was troubled. And when the shepherds were out keeping watch over their flock by night, what were the, what were the shepherds' response when that one angel appeared? And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and they were so afraid because they're such powerful beings. When Daniel, let me see if there's a word. Yeah, that's a grape shot right there. When Daniel saw an angel, he fainted. And, and, and Daniel said he went down, and the angel touched him, and he got on all fours. <laughs> you could see Daniel. And then the angel helped him stand up. The powerful being. And, and when you think about all the stuff in the Scripture where those kind of things happen, they're powerful beings. So we want to do this. We want to, two aspects I want you to remember about angels, and this is important. Angels are not to be worshipped. They're powerful beings, but they're not worshipped. You should remember that. They're not worshipped. Uh, Revelation 22, John actually falls down to worship that angel that's been giving him all that information. And the angel said, get up. Don't worship me. Worship God. I'm just an angel. So we don't worship, God, uh, worship angels. They're, they're powerful beings, and, and, uh, uh, but we don't worship them at all in any way, shape, or form. Did you all get that? You got it? The second one is angels are subject to Christ. Both good and bad angels. And I think in First Peter where he's, he's got them judged. Uh, you realize there's a place in the heart of the earth in which some angels are kept right now until he decides to judge them. And there's going to be those angels come up out of the Euphrates River. There's going to be those angels come up out of the, the abyss. There's going to be Satan put in the abyss. Uh, they're all subject to God. And angels, good and bad, seen and unseen, uh, they're all there. So let me give you, and we've got just a few minutes, so let me just give you this. Let's talk about sort of a summary, and you can fill this in. There is a spirit world including both God and angels. There's spirit world including God and angels. Second thing, there are both good angels and bad angels. Okay, third, angels were created by God, I think, we know, before the creation of the world, I think. We know it was definitely before the fall of man, but possibly before the creation of the world. 
we know that, that there were angels that sang at the creation of the world. The real question is, when did, when did Satan fall? But that was it. And then angels are to glorify God, serve God, and serve mankind. Okay, with that in mind, do we have a place for application? Is that right? Yeah. Okay, so let's gain an understanding of angels. I mean, I think it's important, and, and this is why we have the class. So I think hopefully over the next 12 weeks after this that you're going to love it. You're going to look at this. We're going to see things that we've never even thought about before. We're going to see how it fits together. So we want to gain an understanding of angels. Number two, we want to realize that we are in a spiritual battle. So let me show you something. And I, I did this, I think, on Sunday, but or it may have been the Sunday before that. I can't remember when we did this. But I want you to think about this. You're in a spiritual battle with these unseen beings, right? Satan himself. I mean, let me just say this. Satan is an angel, and he can only be what? One place at one time. So if you think Satan's after you, what you're actually saying is, Satan's after me, that makes you the most important person on the face of the earth. So it's probably not Satan after you, but it could be his angels. Or it could be just the fact that he's affecting the world. So the first thing we got to do is to put on the armor of God. Second, draw near to God. And third, leave the battle to God. See, when you put on the armor, the armor is defensive. It is not offensive. Even the sword of the Spirit is not an offensive weapon. Jesus used the sword to defend against the wiles of the devil.